you can't just take 500,000 words and just find a break point and chop it right there. It's not going to work unless you're George R.R. R. Martin. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where writing is kicking us in the butt one word at a time. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel that way sometimes, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. And our, our show today, we have a listener question. We're actually going to get to the listener question this week. And it, it's a good question because this particular listener is a writer, and he has had so many words that he's written kick him in the butt that he has a very specific question for Taylor, and and we will get to that in a couple of minutes. But it's time for our traditional end of summer. Taylor is at the end of summer and and time for the kids to go back to school. Chat? Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. It's here. School has started again. (laughs) I um, (sighs) am. When the end of school year rolls around, I almost feel a bit of relief, like, oh, thank God that's over and we could just take a break. But by the time a week has passed after that, I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. Can they go back now? Can you take it? And, and for me, like, I love my kids. It's not like I don't want to be around my kids. It's just that I work from home. And when they're home, they have no respect for office hours. So I'll be in the middle of something and then it's like, mom, mom. And I'm like, oh, you know, I just needed another heart attack. And so I get that multiple times a day. And and it's so hard. It's already hard for me to be productive. It's so much harder for me to be productive in when I don't get any peace, any consistent peace and quiet. So that's why I'm so excited. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have hours in the day where nobody's going to come and interrupt me. I think we should start using the Taylor show, Taylor Stevens show as an accountability thing where you could tell us every week what you got accomplished on oh um... god no (laughs) no no No. not a good idea well i mean here it's it's torture for me too because like oh i mean granted it's these last few weeks leading up to school start have been a bit of a different situation but there are some weeks where i'm like i don't even get maybe a day at my desk because there's dentist appointments there's oral surgery there's all the follow-up that goes along with that there's real life crap that I have to take care of. You know, there's tax forms and bookkeeping and um, bills to pay and errands to run. And, oh, I still got to go grocery shopping. And it's just like I, I'm constantly just scrabbling for time. But and, and then there'll be a week where I'm like, oh, my God, I had four days in a row where I actually was able to get work done. And it feels like I just conquered the world. And it used to be I had so many more of those days, so I don't really know what changed. Um, just more to do, I guess. And so like, I was talking with someone the other day about how when I wrote The Informationist, and I was just like, they were like, yeah, you know, you just, you just got it done. Maybe you should do all your books organically. And I'm like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but the truth is, back then, all I had to do was get the kids to school and do whatever I need to do around the house, clean a few things, take care of some grocery shopping. I didn't have to pay the bills. I was still married at the time. 
um, I didn't have any second or third job type situations going on with other other things in life. Um, I didn't have my kids were still young, so they didn't have they need to get to this event and that event. And they had this project due. And it was all very simple. It was just kindergarten and first and second grade. And and it just seems like I had so much time to just sit there. And the day I got so much exercise, I'd go out and walk for an hour, an hour and a half to clear my head. And I'm just like, good Lord, who was that person? I want to be her. You know, it's it's funny. In the, in the writing community, there, there's like this dividing line between full-time writer and person with a job who is also a writer. And everybody wants to cross over the chasm to get to the full-time writer point because they imagine that they're going to be able to actually write full-time. I suspect what you're describing is what happens to a lot of those people when they reach the point where they can become full-time writers. They, they find that the things that need to be done in life still need to be done, and the fact that you're not going to a job every day actually creates more work for you. And also the the actual publishing cycle creates work. You know, when you're actually in that cycle, and I imagine it's way more so for those who are independently published and who write more than one book uh, a year and who are doing it all themselves. Maybe such a person doesn't exist. I don't know. Cause usually by that time you've got other people doing stuff for you, but you know, you've got to do edits and you've got to do copy edits and you've got to write this promo piece and you've got to get back with so-and-so and, and don't let this sound like a complaint because Lord, I love my fans. They are the only thing that keeps me sane, but you got to answer email and email just keeps coming. And so it's just, those are not things you worry about when you're writing that first book. None of that exists when you're writing the first book. And Mm. that's a bit of a difference too. Yeah. Really good point. Okay. Let's not go into chit chat land like we did last week. (laughs) Let's get to this week's topic. This is an email that I got from longtime listener, J.W. Benchuf, who's sent in some questions before. And I love that. This is what keeps me going, except that this question's a really hard one. <laughs> I don't know if I have the answer. <laughs> and he says it's a little bit difficult to explain, and it is. So I'm just going to read the question itself. He says, maybe a little background will help. The novel I've been working on for a while, in which you have answered questions about dialogue, characters, and more, now has me wondering about a new thing whether to break it up into a series or, more specifically, how. Being a YA novel, I originally plotted it to be shorter, limiting it to about 70,000 words, which is a good, that's a good amount. That's, that's good for a YA novel. However, with proper character development, story development, it has grown. It is easily twice that size and is still going. I know scenes, dialogue, and things I am planning to cut after the first draft is finished, but even then, it will be too long for a single book. Indie or traditional, there's no way to know whether this book will sell, but I know it won't sell unless I break it into a series. So here's my question. If you decide to make it a se- if you decide to make a series out of a single story, how do you know where in your story to make a break and still have a well-structured story people will want to read? And when we were talking before the show, Taylor read the email to me and I'm like, "Wow, that's a hard question. <laughs> Are you going to be able to answer that?" And you said? I don't know, but I'll give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are. Go ahead. Here we are. Okay, so I don't know that I can necessarily answer the how. 
but I can put forth a few things to really think about in doing this. And that is what actually makes a story satisfying. And unless you have a specific trilogy laid out where the story arc covers the entire trilogy or quadrilogy or whatever they're called, then you need some sense of completion, some sense of satisfaction. And let's take, for example, a series like Twilight. And let's pretend that Stephanie Meyer had actually written it as a single story or conceptualize it as a single story. It, it may be a single story, really, but each book has a sense of closure or completion in it. So if you have so much material and you're sure that breaking it up into more than one book is the way to go, then you definitely are going to be wanting to find aspects of the story that make it where you close it off it's it's a story in itself. And I actually just talked about this recently on a video that I have recorded, but not yet posted to Patreon, where I'm talking about my own process when I write books. And in it, I talk about how every book that I've ever written has been done not knowing if there would be a subsequent book behind it. So even though I hope to continue the story forward, I know that there's always a chance that it won't continue. And even if I leave threads hanging, I have to make sure that that volume itself has enough sense of closure in it that the important things are answered. So you can't just take 500,000 words and just find a break point and chop it right there. It's not going to work unless you're George R. R. Martin and the books are anything like the seasons that are on HBO because I've never read the books, but I'm currently starting to watch them now. And in that case, it just keeps going and going and going. And maybe his books can do that, but you're not George R. R. Martin. I'm not. So we're not going to go that direction. We're looking for something that is a little more. Um, and also those weren't his first books. He already had a, an audience and everything. Maybe it's different for somebody who's already got a leg up and their readers trust them and will follow them through and stick with them. But we're talking about us normal people here. And so you can't just take this big story and then just break it and then keep writing. You're What I would do if I were in your shoes is I would write the whole story. And then once I had it, I would look at it um, from a bird's eye view and go, okay, what elements are, are self-containable and actually go and figure out, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make this first one 70,000 words or whatever. And I would rewrite those 70,000 words, knowing what the full story is, I would rewrite them to, or I should say restructure them in such a way that that aspect of the story is complete. The other thing I think to keep in mind, this is something I have to really be aware of in my own life, is sometimes tangents or characters that you feel might really be important sometimes aren't. Um, I'm a wordy author. I'm always constantly having to cut back. I'm getting better at that. And sometimes we get enamored with our own overdeveloped process that we think it has to be in the story and it doesn't. But one of my best books, The Doll, 
is what it is because it was 40,000 words overwritten and I had to cut those out. And when you excise everything that's unnecessary and you're left with just the meat of the story, that thing has a bang to it. And so it could be that you end up with 140,000 words that could be cut down to 100,000 words and then you have a really tight, compelling read. So the answer may be breaking it up into multiples or it may be paring it down to its essence and making it very potent. I have read the first three books in a series that it's a thriller series. And it sounds a little bit like the situation JW's in. It's like it, it turns out that all six books comprise the story. And there is no, there are no six individual stories that link through maybe a common theme or something, which is what you would want to have happen. It is just literally one 300,000-word book that's broken out, or it's probably 400,000 words, and it's just broken down into these individual novels. And I, I read the first one, and there's a reason I read it, um, and we'll get into that, but I read the first one, and I was kind of hooked. I wanted to see what was going to happen, and so I started the second one, assuming that at the end of the second one, th there would be some logical breakpoint between books, and there wasn't. It just was like, I felt like I should be turning the page to start the next chapter, and it wasn't there. I had to go get the next book to get to the next chapter, and the series of books wasn't compelling enough for me to do that, so I gave up, and the sales of this particular series have been suboptimal, we'll say. And so, I mean, that, that's an example of what can happen if you get this wrong. That's, that's a good example. One of the things that JW said and, and concerns me a little bit, and of course all we, all we have is the email, he used the terms, I think, proper character development and something else. With proper character development and story development, it has grown. Okay. So it, it, in my mind, that almost sounds like intentional overwriting to try and I don't know, make make the characters more likable or or something and and maybe this is a YA thing and I don't I I don't read that genre at all so take everything I say with a grain of salt but if if you if you've got a 70,000 word story and it's 140,000 words that's the recipe for disaster I I wouldn't I don't think that and again I'm just hypothesizing here but I don't think that someone sets out and goes, oh, I need to do more on these characters. Well, I could be wrong. Maybe some people do that. I need to develop them more. I think what often happens is that the story you start out with grows into far more than you originally thought it would be. And each of those characters sort of takes on a life of their own. And by including in their backstory and, and how mm -hmm. everything inter interweaves with itself it it just kind of just keeps ballooning and ballooning and ballooning and I, I don't know this story it could be very pertinent to the story under discussion but if it's not what how the reason that sometimes happens is because the author is doesn't have a clear sense of what the story is when they begin 
And so it kind of wanders and goes off in all these different directions. And rather than letting them become tangents, which is a good thing, not letting them become tangents, they get pulled back into the story, which is good. That's good storytelling. But then ask yourself, was that really necessary to begin with? Could those tangents be cut off? And would that shrink the story? Um, and often... I have found that this type of the story grows and grows and grows and grows is is when the story is being written organically. In my case, I outline, but my outlines are not hard and fast, and much of the writing process is organic as well. And when I find my stories growing bigger than they're supposed to be, it's also for that same reason, um, not having a clear sense of what exactly is supposed to happen and what the purpose is in each thing. Now, it could be that our author here totally has got that figured out. It's just that it's taking more words to do it than he thought it was supposed to take. But I would always just say, if the story is growing bloated, take a step back and ask yourself, is it the story or is it the writer? And, and he asked in, in the email, how do, you, how do you find a place to break the story? And, and, and you gave some, some really good advice on, on how to maybe... Uh, find that, uh, but during the rewrite process, if if you're going to do that, if you're going to break this into two or three books, you've it, it's got to be, there has to be an individual storyline for each of them that concludes. There can be any number of open threads if there's the next book in the series, and and there can even be, I mean, there's a technique where there can even be like a cliffhanger, and then you 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 include if you're indie publishing, you include the first chapter. Um, to those people who hate cliffhanger endings at, at the end <laughs> yeah. of the book so that they're not angry that you did this. And then, you know, it, it goes on in the next book. So there, there are all kinds of different techniques that you can use, but there has to be a story that, that concludes. Um, the main story has to conclude in the first, in, with, each, with each book. Would you agree? I would. And, and here's one of the reasons why. Um, and this is why I'm personally opposed to trilogies, per se, that just keep, it's like one big story that's broken into three, is that you never know for sure where, at what point a reader's going to pick up a book. And if they pick up in the middle of a series or a long story, and they can't make heads or tails of what's actually going on, they're not going to pick up another one. And so... Your goal as an author is to create an experience where the reader wants more. They're, they get attached to the characters. They get attached to the, the conflict and the struggles. And it can be really hard to do that in, such a, in, in, a, in a compelling way if the story is just chopped up into pieces. And I've, with the Monroe stories, granted, I've never known if there was going to be another follow-up. And so that's partly why they're all contained. But there's a story arc, the, a, a broader story arc that flows through them, which is why so many readers keep coming back. They want to know, are these characters going to get together? They want to know if they're going to have their happy ending. And, and that story arc is, it's not chopped up. It keeps going, even if it's almost like vertebrae, where e each vertebrae is its, its own thing, but the nerves are still running through from and connecting them from one to the next. And my, my one experience that I had with two experiences, actually, one was um, I did a book signing with an author who had flown in from 
somewhere in Europe. And he had written a trilogy. And the book that he was promoting at that time was the second book in the trilogy. And because I was there, you know, here, take my book. And hey, I had more time to read back then. So I read it. And on the one hand, I sort of kind of got it. And on the other hand, I totally didn't. And I didn't feel like, oh, man, I really want to go back and pick up this first book. And I definitely didn't feel like, oh, I really want to pick up the next one. Because I was left disconnected from the characters and the scenario. Now, some authors are skilled enough that they can catch you up to speed with what's going on without um, alienating readers who've been with them and don't want to have the first third of the book just be a repeat of what uh, has already um, been said. And then my second experience with this was when I had a, um, a book sent to me by a publisher hoping that I would blurb it. And I never got around to reading it in time for it. And it was in science fiction. And, and I don't have any, my word is worth nothing in science fiction. I ended up loving this book. It was so freaking awesome. I actually went and bought a copy and sent it to somebody else so they could read it along with me. Because I wanted to, they were a science fiction lover. I was like, here, read this and discuss it with me. Um, so I guess that that paid off for them. But um, the book just ended. Bam. No conclusion. And then I was going to have to wait a year, year and a half for the next one. And by the time the year and a half rolled around, I wasn't interested anymore. And so that's a third thing, a second thing to keep in mind. Third thing to keep in mind. Um, I, I recently had um, connected with a friend of mine who hasn't read fiction in forever. And they were like, they blew through all my books. Like, when's the next one? And I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it's going to be a while. But lucky for you, I have a lot of book recommendations for you from people, you know, over the years. Here's some stuff to keep you busy in the next three years. And this is the type of person who could probably read a book a day easily. And so um, one of the series that I recommended to him was the, the Gabriel Alon series by Daniel Silva. I have not personally had an opportunity to read any of these books yet, but so many of my readers have contacted me and said, you're one of my favorite authors together with, and always Daniel Silva is on that list. So I figured, well, if, all, if so many of my readers are reading him too, he must be good. Let's pass this, this recommendation along. So when I finally heard from my friend again, they were like, yeah, I read eight of the eight of the books and then I just couldn't take another Israeli spy story again. And by the time I was through the eighth book, I was so mad because the first third of the book was just recapping you on everything that happened. Mm -hmm. in the, and he's like, I, I didn't pay for, you know, three quarters of a book. I wanted a whole book. Right. <laughs> so that's another um, thing to keep in mind when you have a larger story and you're trying to avoid this thing of just cutting the book in pieces and then how do you catch your readers up, then you're going to run into that problem as well. So this is not exactly an answer of how to do it, but definitely things to keep in mind if you're going to do it. Other techniques that I've seen people use in the indie community, and I have no idea how JW wants to do this, but uh, if, if there's no way to break it apart logically and, and have a story break, and let's say it winds up at 150,000 words, you could actually do what some people have called a, um, I don't, I'm drawing a blank on, on the, on the term, but it's like a television series kind of thing. Part one, part two. Yeah. Well, season one, season one, season two. Okay. Um, and anyway, and, 
and they will just take essentially a 150,000-word story and break it into three 50,000-word stories and release them boom, boom, boom. Uh, a week yeah, apart. That was that was going to be my next. So thing, that, is could, that that could actually work. Yeah. If you're if you know that you have to do it that way, don't make somebody wait a year, like write the whole thing, have it completely ready. Um, and now, granted, that won't work so much with traditional publishing, but it is an option for indie publishing. And that is to, to just release them one right after the other. And yeah, what you said. And uh, the other thing that, that occurs to me, it, it sounds like this is going to wind up at about 150,000 words. At least that's what I got from, from the email message. And if, if it could be trimmed down, I have no idea what the length of an average YA book is. I expect pr it probably is around 70,000 words. But, you know, 100,000 words isn't that much more. If it could be trimmed down to 100, because most of yours, Taylor, are in the 100,000 word range, right? 100 plus, except for Liar's Paradox, which came in right around 90. Shortest okay. book I've ever written. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's not a bad size book. 150,000 is, I mean, you're closing on the, the yeah. doorstop range. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that can be tough. I mean, I, I would be really curious to know, if, if, there, if you've got multiple threads running through the book, could they be broken out into individual storylines and just kind of have you know, take out some of those threads and, and just turn them into things that could be the end of a story and then the start of the next story. Um, they're probably... I'm having a panic attack just listening. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, for me as an author, I'm just like, I'm aware of the sheer amount of work involved yes. in doing that. There is no obviously really good answer to this without knowing... Uh, how how the how the story is is laid out. I can tell you that I'm I'm working with a, a group of people who write in four book arcs, and they they'll plot out the arc for the four books, and then come up with individ four individual stories that get the characters through the full arc. Yeah. And it, it's just it's something that they plan on doing. And these are people who write very rapidly. And these these are uh, book a month, book every six week type things. But it, it gets the books out quickly. The stories conclude, but the big story doesn't conclude. And it really it doesn't even conclude at the end of the four. It's just the, the story arc concludes there. And then there's then if the series is successful, there's another. And I, I always go back to the uh, the TV show, The Fugitive. Taylor, did you did you ever you were in another country when that was popular? I think I was in another life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Oh, I no, don't let's not it. go. I was in another life because that makes me sound like really even older than I am. But the, the, the story of the fugitive is. I saw the, the movie. Yeah, that's cheating. <laughs> it, it, went, it was it was a several year long TV series and it was somebody killed this guy's wife. And the guy was arrested. Is it the one-armed man? The one-armed man. Movie yes, too. the one-armed man. <laughs> See, they were able to condense three years of TV shows or five, whatever it is, into a two-hour movie, which was which was really good. But it was the story arc is the guy the guy had a happy family life. His wife was murdered. He was arrested. They believed that he did it. He was arrested and convicted and put in jail. He escaped. His only out is to find the one-armed man. And it took five years or I have no idea how long it was. But when they found the one-armed man, it was the, the highest-rated TV show of all time up to that point. Wow. But each week was a self-contained story that had an yeah. ending. So, Or, I mean, pretty much all TV series is 
are like that, except for like Game of Thrones. You know, the ones that run for years and years and aren't just supposed to be, aren't plotted out as a specific number of hours. Like they're intending to see how long they can run. I mean, they everything that is just on every week, it has a conclusion, even though the the key elements continue on from from episode to episode. Yes. Yes, but the the thing with the fugitive was there's such a clear endpoint, and you just never got there. <laughs> it's just, right, and it it just was always in the future. I haven't seen but maybe one or two episodes of that show, How I Met Your Mother. That's the same concept. It's all leading up to finally getting this answer. And did did I don't know? I never saw an episode. Yeah, of that. From did what they I did they find out? They, they finally figure out who the you know how who the the whole the whole thing is all this backstory it's all backstory into who the kid's mom is like you know who the guy actually ended up getting together with and so you know you know that the conclusion's coming but it's just the stories that just keep going and going and going and going you know yep well jw i don't know whether we've 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 helped you or not but it, it was an interesting topic so thank you very much for sending in the question Thank you that you keep sending in questions. Yes, Love yes. questions. Questions are what makes this show run. And because I suck as a host, we have not had a call to action f- for the last few weeks. Oh. And so, <laughs> so I'm not even going to dump it on Taylor this week. If you have a question for Taylor, send us an email. Post it, post it in, the, in the Facebook group. Uh, post a comment. Send a tweet. Do something. Let us, let us know uh, the question. And we will be happy to answer it in as much as much depth as we can. If we get several questions, we could just do a quick Q and A show. Those are always kind of fun, uh, but it's also fun to do just do an, a, a deep dive into a, a specific question as well. And, and guys, if you've sent questions and we haven't done anything with them, that's because we're both off our rockers, just busy, and our. Uh, organization system maybe isn't as organized as we'd like it to be so it wasn't deliberate and if you've asked for stuff to get answered and somehow it got slipped send it in again i promise you it wasn't because it's gone um we i i try and keep a list in evernote of of show topics and as questions come in i put them in there but if you send something in and, and we don't have it Either Taylor didn't send it to me, which is unlikely, or I lost track of it, which is very likely. So please do send it in again, and we apologize if we didn't get to it. Yes. Many apologies. Okay, Taylor, that's it. We are done this week. We will be back again next Tuesday. Thanks for sticking with us.